Welcome to another episode of The Abnormal Psychologist. I'm your host, Dr. Colby Taylor. Uh, in the last few episodes, we discussed anxiety disorders and OCD. And now we'll transition to depressive disorders. I originally was going to uh, do this as a single episode, but after some reflection, I think I'll break this one into two episodes like I did with anxiety disorders. Um, partially because uh, over 10% of adults above the age of 12 are on antidepressants, so this is a really important and really common topic. So depressive disorders actually comes in the section right before anxiety disorders in the DSM-5, and they include disruptive mood dysregulation disorder, which is a new one, uh, major depressive disorder, persistent depressive disorder, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which is also a new one, and then depressive disorders due to substance use or other medical conditions. So I thought the best way to tackle uh, these disorders uh, might be to start out by briefly discussing all of the depressive disorders besides major depressive disorder before diving into MDD, uh, as you'll see it abbreviated, major depressive disorder, MDD, uh, later in the episode. So let's start out with disruptive mood dysregulation disorder, which you'll see abbreviated DMDD, sort of reminds me of like an electronic dance style or something. Um, as I mentioned, uh, this is a new diagnosis, and it's a little controversial. We'll talk about bipolar disorders in a few episodes, two episodes from now. Uh, but bipolar disorders are overdiagnosed, and they were especially overly diagnosed, um, and they were sort of all the rage in the 1990s. And many children were inappropriately diagnosed with bipolar disorders. And this made a lot of clinicians uneasy. Bipolar is a heavy diagnosis, right? Um, remember, we, we considered them as a serious mental illness uh, in our first episode. So the creation of DMDD kind of comes as a reaction to the overdiagnosis of childhood bipolar disorder. Um, so much so that I hear clinicians sort of jokingly refer to it as bipolar light. Um, as the name implies, disruptive mood dysregulation disorder involves emotion dysregulation. And this usually manifests in temper outbursts or in physical aggression towards people or towards property. And the DSM-5 sets sort of a high bar for these outbursts. Uh, they must occur on average three or more times per week. So I've had a few cases um, where every other criteria for this dis disorder was met, um, but the outbursts only occurred once per week. Um, these temper outbursts also must regularly occur over the course of a year. Um, this is also a disorder that starts in childhood. It must occur before the age of 10. And you also can't give a diagnosis before a child's sixth birthday uh, because young children throw developmentally appropriate temper tantrums all the time. And you have to rule out bipolar disorder, depressive disorder, oppositional defiant disorder, and intermittent explosive disorder, uh, which we'll talk about in a few episodes. Although behaviors with DMDD can certainly be explosive. Right? It involves a mood component. Uh, DD, DMDD involves persistent, angry, or irritable mood. So kids diagnosed with DMDD are at high risk of uh, the shifting of it presenting in a different way, what we'll call heterotypic continuity in adulthood. Usually it'll manifest in adulthood as a major depressive disorder or as an anxiety disorder. Although in some cases, very few cases actually, it will become a full-blown bipolar disorder. 
So let's move on to another disorder in the depressive disorders family. And uh, this one's persistent depressive disorder. And I'm old school, so I'll refer to this as dysthymia more often than not. Uh, dysthymia is an alternate name for persistent depressive disorder. Dysthymia is a sort of low-grade chronic depression that's often accompanied by irritability or grouchiness. It's chronic because you have to have symptoms for at least two years. Now, it can have severe depressive episodes as part of the diagnosis, so it doesn't necessarily have to be low-grade. Uh, you can certainly feel really low, right? You can have a, like a full-blown depressive disorder. Uh, but I, I think it usually presents as a sort of moderately, persistently low long-term mood. Okay, so another depressive disorder and another new one, and also a controversial one, is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which you'll see abbreviated as PDD, uh, which I don't really like because that goes back to the DSM-4 uh, pervasive developmental disorder, anyways, which no longer exists in the DSM-5. Uh, but you'll see PDD as premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Uh, PDD is not PMS. It's not premenstrual syndrome. PMS is much more common. Anywhere from a quarter to 50% of women will experience mood changes related to PMS. Uh, so it's more common and less severe than PDD. PDD involves significant affective lability. Affective lability is sort of a fancy term for mood swings. Uh, it involves depressed mood, or it involves anxiety. And these are often accompanied by sleep disturbances, fatigue, lack of interest in activities, changes in appetite, either overeating or undereating, and physical symptoms like bloating or breast tenderness. And importantly, symptoms of PDD follow the menstrual cycle. They need to be present in the final week before the onset of a period, and then start to improve in the days after the period to the point where the symptoms become minimal or absent. And as I mentioned earlier, this diagnosis is sort of controversial. Anytime that you create a diagnosis that specifically targets or pathologizes one gender uh, should rightfully be subject to scrutiny. There are arguments to just diagnose as anxiety if there are anxious symptoms, or as major depressive disorder if there's depressive symptoms. But the counter argument was the PDD diagnosis informs treatment. Your typical treatment for anxiety or depression, like uh, an SSRI, might not be enough for PDD. Uh, PDD can also be treated using hormonal therapies, such as COCs, or combination oral contraceptives. Uh, and the PDD diagnosis also indicates the cyclical nature of symptomology, right? Symptoms alleviate in the days following a period, following menses. So the acronym PDD stands for premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Uh, the term dysphoria is really important. There are two major hallmarks to depression. One is dysphoria or dysphoric mood. And this can sort of be thought of as the traditional sadness we associate with depression. But it can also be agitation, nervousness, being dissatisfied, feeling ill at ease. Dysphoria may cause you to be grouchy or to ruminate, uh, to replay negative experiences and emotions in your head. And ruminate actually comes from the Latin for to chew. So we have animals that are ruminants, like cows and sheep that chew food, they regurgitate it, and then chew it all over again. And we'll actually have a rumination disorder that we'll talk about when we get to feeding and eating disorders. Um, but anyways, dysphoria is sort of a sad, anxious, or irritable mood. Then the second hallmark of depression is anhedonia. Anhedonia is not being able to feel pleasure. 
you might have heard of hedonism before. Uh, in philosophy, your goal, if you're a hedonist, is to pursue pleasure, to eat well, to drink well, and to be merry. It's sort of like Sigmund Freud's pleasure principle. So anhedonia is not being able to feel pleasure. Activities that were once enjoyable to you are no longer as enjoyable. Uh, you might feel lack of motivation to do something. Sort of in modern lingo, you can't even, or you feel strung out. Instead of getting out and doing something and socializing, you stay in bed or at home. You binge on Netflix. You might even lack motivation to eat or to engage in basic hygiene. Uh, performing everyday tasks can seem grueling and exhausting. Now, my favorite book about depression, and it's a huge book and it's sort of intimidating, is The Noonday Demon, an Atlas of Depression by Andrew Solomon. And Andrew Solomon suffered from depression for years. And in one part of the book, Solomon describes his anhedonia. And he says, the opposite of depression is not happiness, but vitality. And he felt drained of vitality. Everything seemed like too much work. Something like preparing lunch involved getting food, preparing it, cutting it up, chewing it, and swallowing it. And this was just too exhausting. He compared this ritual of eating to the stations of the cross. He found himself doing less, and thinking less, and feeling less. Uh, this is anhedonia. Um, he called it nullity rather than anhedonia. And at one point he wakes up, and he thinks he's actually had a stroke. He lacks the energy to get out of bed, to reach out his arm and to pick up the phone. So it's a total lack of energy. And this lack of energy is important. I've heard it said that many people think about depression as being sadness, like a sad song on a violin. Adagio for strings comes to mind. Uh, do a YouTube for Adagio for strings. Some research has said that it's the saddest song. Um, but depression isn't a sad song like Adagio for strings. Instead, uh, I really like the metaphor that uh, depression is a complete lack of music. So let's talk about major depressive disorder a little bit. Major depressive disorder, MDD, is sometimes called uni unipolar depression. And this is to distinguish it from bipolar depression, which we'll talk about in two episodes. And depression can occur at any age. I think the youngest personally that I've ever seen it diagnosed is in a two-year-old. Uh, but it spikes after puberty and diagnostic rates uh, will peak in the mid-20s. Um, it's pretty heritable. Uh, the heritability estimates about 40%. And risk factors include being high in the personality factor of neuroticism, having adverse childhood experiences or ACEs, um, or experiencing traumatic events. So major depressive disorder, again, MDD for short. Although many people, including me, are just going to call it depression. Uh, but depression, major depressive disorder, involves having five or more of nine symptoms over a two-week period. And out of these nine, at least one must relate to depressed mood and another to loss of interest or pleasure. So that's a nod to our two hallmarks of depression, right? Dysphoric mood and anhedonia. So the symptoms are depressed mood most of the day, nearly every day, as indicated by self-report or the observation of others. Uh, diminished interest or pleasure in all or almost all activities, <coughs> anhedonia. Um, significant weight loss, weight gain, or increase or decrease in appetite. Um, insomnia or hypersomnia. Hypersomnia is sleeping too much. Insomnia is sleeping too little. Psychomotor agitation or retardation. Uh, fatigue or loss of energy. 
feelings of worthlessness or excessive or inappropriate guilt, diminishability to think or concentrate or indecisiveness and recurrent thoughts of death or dying is the last one. So you notice lots of paradoxical symptoms in here. Eating too much or eating too little, sleeping too much or sleeping too little, being overactive or being underactive. I find that really, really curious because it presents in many different ways. Um, MDD has a ton of specifiers too, uh, probably more than any other disorder in the DSM-5. We have the specifier of with anxious distress, which also usually gets a comorbid diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder. And we have with mixed features, which is going to start to look a little like bipolar in nature. Um, you have to have manic or hypomanic symptoms, but it doesn't reach the threshold for the bipolar disorders that we'll talk about in two episodes. We have the specifier of with melancholic features. Melancholia was the old school term for depression. Abraham Lincoln, who probably had MDD by today's standards, was said to have uh, melancholia. And this is a nod to humorism. Remember, we talked about the balance of bodily fluids in the history of psychopathology episode. And depression was thought to be caused by an overabundance of black bile. And melancholia really hits on anhedonia. Instead of diminished pleasure, it's almost a complete lack of pleasure in anything. You also have very few points of happiness. Uh, I think about Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh when I think about melancholia. So some more specifiers you have with psychotic features, which is going to involve delusions and hallucinations and sort of a break with reality. I'll dedicate a whole episode to psychotic disorders later down the road. Um, we have with catatonia, which involves the psychomotor agitation or more commonly psychomotor retardation, slow movement or complete immobility. We'll talk about uh, catatonia more when we talk about schizophrenia. Um, we have with peripartum onset, which is onset of symptoms during pregnancy or within a month of birth. This is where we'd code postpartum depression. Uh, we have with seasonal pattern. This is where we'd code uh, seasonal affective disorder. And it's important to realize with seasonal affective disorder that it doesn't just have to occur during winter. Um, this is where we do see the majority of cases during winter. Uh, but in a hot climate like Memphis, many people can get depressed in the summer because it's too hot and the humidity is too oppressive to get outside and do anything. And the prevalence of MDD is going to be about 7% in the United States. Though again, over 10% of the adult population has been prescribed an antidepressant. Um, we're going to see huge ranges by culture too. 7% uh, here in the United States, 7% in Japan, to upwards of 20% in France. It does seem to be more prevalent in developed countries, sort of like anxiety. And 18 to 29-year-olds have rates of depression three times those of people age 60 plus. And I think often people mistakenly believe that older people are more depressed. And on average, this, it, it's just not true. Though most, um, the most at-risk um, demographic for suicide is going to be older white men. So like anxiety, depression is more prevalent in females uh, to the tune of 1.5 to three times more common. Anyways, I think I'll call it an episode for part one of depressive disorders. We can get a, uh, into treatment in part two, and then I can also answer any mailbag questions you might have about depression in the next episode. Uh, send those questions to ctaylo41 at cbu.edu. Until then, stay well and take care.